The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's Shona with you. Now, my first guest this morning is Gemma Parle and Gemma is joining me on the line to tell me about her beautiful little girl, Caitlin, who is three. And on April 4th of this year, Caitlin suffered from a stroke Um Quite an incredible story. She fought every single step of the way, let me tell you. Gemma, lovely to chat to you this morning and uh, thanks for talking to us on the Sunday Grill, firstly. Thanks, Shona. I know it's it's not an easy thing to do and it's it's still very early for you as a family to talk about it. Yeah, we're almost seven months in. It seems like a lifetime ago, but it's still only seven months. I know, it's nothing really. Um, tell me what happened that morning. When you, when you went in to wake up Caitlin? Um, yeah, Caitlin was in bed on the Saturday morning. She went to bed perfectly healthy on the Friday night. But when I found her on the Saturday morning, she was completely unresponsive. Uh, we rushed her in to Wexford General and they literally worked on her all day. And they did a C- CT scan that evening or that afternoon and they found a bleed on the brain and Caitlin was continuing to have seizures that they couldn't stop so we had to rush Caitlin to Temple Street Hospital. Caitlin was brought straight into ICU and she spent three and a half weeks in ICU up there. Caitlin again, we couldn't control the seizures so they had to put her into a coma. Caitlin was shown signs of infection when she was in there and it was eventually found that it was her large intestine had died and it had gone as far as her appendix so they all had to be removed. Um, yeah, Caitlin, just, she completely baffled doctors on how she got so sick so quickly and then she was pulling through. They were able to take off different medications and something else had happened to her and... Yeah, she just kept rallying and she was eventually allowed down to the ward and she spent five months in Temple Street doing intensive therapies and trying to to get going again. When she got to the ward, she wasn't able to move any of her right side at all. She wasn't able to talk or communicate in any way and yeah, now she's She's walking around here with her her brother and her twin sister, Abby. And she's just kind of defied the odds, really. It's kind of incredible. Like just when you spoke about the, the morning that you went into her, like you had literally put her to bed that Friday night and yeah. said goodnight and n- normal. You didn't, there was nothing, there was no alarm bells or there was nothing that kind of made you go, oh, maybe she's not feeling great. No, no warning whatsoever. Her dad had gone to work and I was at home with the three kids and found Caitlin. So I had to ring my mother-in-law and then I had to ring him to tell him get to the hospital quickly. Um, yeah, we were there kind of for the day. We knew it was bad, but we didn't we didn't realise how bad. I don't I don't think you'd kind of let yourself go there. No. But the, the hospital were phenomenal. There was... One doctor who was literally in with her all day didn't even go have a cup of tea, toilet break, nothing. She she stayed and she worked on her the whole time. And without them starting everything and then Temple Street doing everything they did, we definitely wouldn't have Caitlin here with us. 
At what point did they say to you, did they use the word stroke? And what, you know, what what, what was going through your head? What, how do you, that, that news of, she's three. I think even when I got the, the CT scan results, it still, it wasn't sinking in. It was the Sunday morning in Temple Street. They sat us down and we had... ICU consultants, the neurologists, another consultant, nurses, you name it, we had them there and they sat us down and told us it's not good. And it was kind of only then when I was repeating it back, so you're telling me, do you know, she mightn't make it. And it was it was only then it kind of really hit us. We knew it was bad. But you, until you actually hear them words, it's, you kind of just tell yourself, no, no, it'll be okay. But again, one of her ICU doctors turned around and said, Caitlin, I love puzzles and you are definitely a puzzle, but I can't solve this and I don't, don't like it. So he hadn't a clue. None of them did what was wrong with her and they ran every test going. They did everything they could. And then when she started getting better, they just they laughed and they said, well, it's Caitlin. <laughs> She's going and doing everything her mom and dad said she would. And... Yeah, she's a determined little girl. She's a fighter, without a doubt. And did you oh, did you have that in the back of your head? Did you just know you, you felt you felt like she was going to pull through? There was times when we kind of we weren't sure, but yeah, we just kept saying, Do you know, look, we had, we were shown the nurses' videos, and we were like, this this is Caitlin, this is her personality. If anyone can pull through, it will be her. Um, she always always so independent and still is she still wants to do so much on her own and she's really determined but she's just so loving and caring as well so she kind of won over the hearts of everyone in Temple Street she used to go around in her little chair blowing kisses and waving at everyone so they all knew who she was because obviously the hospital was quieter with Covid and then there was one little blonde girl going around blowing kisses so she was remembered oh um, throughout all of this, like you, for all that time you were in Dublin, and your little boy Jack was at home, and Caitlin's twin sister Abby was at home, and I suppose that must have in itself been so tough, being torn between being up there and trying to get home as much as possible. Yeah, it was it was really hard. Um, we didn't get home for three weeks once we went up there initially. Um, we were obviously, we were too afraid to leave Caitlin. She was too touch and go. And I left after three weeks to come home to see the other two. And I got a phone call to go back because Caitlin's seizures had started again. And Caitlin now has epilepsy as a result of everything. But look, she's handling that as well, Caitlin style. <laughs> but the other two, they, they coped fantastically well. We had great support at home from family, which was brilliant, which... We definitely couldn't have stood up there the whole time without anyway. And, yeah, Jack and Abby are just, they're amazing as well. Of course they are. And I'm sure they're very proud of their sister as well and and what she's achieved so far. And I know that, you know, you, you said she is walking again and... You know, obviously her personality never left. She sounds no. like she's she's one happy, determined little lady. Without a doubt. This is a long road ahead of you guys, isn't it, Gemma? Yeah, um, yeah. this is our window. Caitlin needs intensive therapies. We've been told that we have the two-year window for the best recovery after a stroke. And 
obviously waiting lists with COVID. Everything is longer than usual. So we're seven months in now, so we're pushing to get everything that we can get for her now. Um, we are due up in Dunleary Rehab Hospital next year sometime, but again, the waiting list for that is longer than normal because of COVID. So kind of as a family, we're, we're pushing her to do everything that we know she's able to do, but giving her a bit of help along the way as well. And that's why you set up the GoFundMe page not so long ago, um, because as I said, it's it's a long road ahead and there's a lot to be done. And it's important that, as you say, it's done within a certain period of time. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's get we're throwing everything at her, really. We were kind of a bit worried we were doing too much with her. Um, but we I spoke to her neurologist during the week and they said, no, we're we're right to literally throw the book at her now and keep her going because she has showed phenomenal potential so far and has done everything we have tried to do with her so far so we just want to keep the momentum momentum going with her when we can and when she's back with her obviously you're back with her brother and sister now it's it's different but you've, you've got her back yeah it was yeah amazing bring her home um, she's been loving it and she's literally made herself at home again she knows everything she remembers everything and she's a little boss is she? And yeah, oh god she always was and still is <laughs> she, so, she's yeah, in she's charge a, of the house she's a typical three year old on top of everything else so look she still loves playing and, and doing everything and, and she's able to do that here it's great yeah she didn't have that before but obviously she she made sure that they all knew who she was as you said when she was yeah. in the hospital yeah they all went above and beyond for her in fairness we yeah we can't thank them enough and as a family how have you held it together because that's a huge amount to go through and as we said at the start it's very early days you know it's and this year has been a little bit strange anyway yeah without a doubt um, it, I don't know I think support definitely and definitely couldn't have done it without Paul um, we just kind of keep going we have three kids and they're funny and full of fun and they kind of keep us going even on bad days you know and Caitlin no matter what she when she wants to do something she will do it and even we were told she wouldn't talk two days later she started talking so the highs up there were incredible for things like that so they the good days definitely kept us going knowing that she was pushing herself and and doing even more than anyone expected of her really and continues to do without a doubt yeah she is yeah she's amazing I love your update online which says she's doing really well she's still sneaking into the press to get Bickies <laughs> so yeah um, that, that kind of paints a picture of, of how wonderful your little lady is and her smile would light up any room I can tell you that from seeing the picture um, you've set up this GoFundMe page it's called Caitlin's Comeback and people can check it out um, and I know that it will it will really help you guys yeah yeah definitely will help Caitlin yeah give her the the best future that we can give her and look she deserves it she's three she yeah she's a baby she is a baby that's all yeah Gemma thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning we wish you all the luck in the world I hope that everything works out for you guys and everything that she needs to get she does Um, she sounds like a fantastic and amazing little lady thank you very much thanks so much for chatting to us on the Sunday Grill today thank you 
The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. This news story caught my eye during the week because it was positive and uplifting and I think that's what we all need in our lives right now. Um, joining me on the line to tell me more is Stacey Fiat and she is the founder of this brilliant initiative called the Pen Pal Project and it's all about helping people find a pen pal with residents in Irish nursing homes. I couldn't love it any more than I do. Stacey, good morning. Hi, Shauna. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. You sound very bright for a Sunday morning. Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up and at him. Yeah, exactly. Um, tell me this, Stacey. As I said, it caught my attention and I think it's because it's wholesome and it's positive and I think we all need a little bit of that in our lives right now. That You are a wedding planner, wedding coordinator? Yeah, uh- I do wedding decor for the churches and the civil ceremonies and the hotels, yes. Lovely. So at the moment, your business is obviously on hold. Is that fair to say or to a certain extent? Yeah, well, we were pretty much fully booked for this year and we are left with a handful of weddings. Now, we had a wedding just there on Friday, so people are still going ahead, but it's, it's nothing compared to what the year would have looked like. Okay, and so this idea came to you. It's called the Pen Pal Project, and I know you've spoken during the week. You said you said it just it's just taken off. It really has. It's gotten a reaction that I really didn't expect. Um, I said to myself when I first started it uh, last week, I said, even if I get you know two or three nursing homes involved, I'd be really delighted with that. And now I have over 9,000 people and signed up to be a pen pal. No way. So how does it actually work, Stacey? Yeah, so if people would like to sign up to become a pen pal, they can go on our Instagram account, which is Pen Pal Project Ireland, and there is a link in our bio that will take them to our website and they just fill out a form. And as soon as we're ready to pair them up with a resident in a nursing home, we will send them a quick email with the resident's name or initials. It depends because, you know, due to GDP or sometimes they yeah. can't give the names out. Um, and sometimes the nursing homes give us a little bit about them, something that they might enjoy. So we'll include all that into the email and um, give them the address of the nursing home. And that's kind of the start of it. The only thing is we do ask for them now, on post have launched a new initiative that it is free for yeah. us to post letters to nursing homes. But what I do ask is, uh, or encourage even, um, is for when they're sending the letter to include an envelope with a stamp on it. So it's not actually costing them or the nursing homes anything. And it's okay. just easier for them. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And can I ask you then, like I suppose here in the southeast, are we still? Are you still looking for some nursing homes in our area to yeah. sign up? Definitely. Yeah. No, we really would love to hear. And if if they're interested in it, if any nursing homes in the southeast would like to get involved or have any questions at all, um, if they can send me an email on info at blissfulweddingdecor.ie. Now, the reason I've separated that is because our DMs are flooded and okay. the email address purposely for the Pen Pal Project is just flooded too with people signing up. So I don't want to miss any emails yeah. from the nursing homes. So that's why I've separated it. Do you know, I was thinking about it. <laughs> My granddad was in a, a home years ago in Dublin and 
at the time I was living there and I got to see him as much as I could. You know, I, I'd go and see him a couple of times a week. But I always thought yeah. how long the days are, Stacey, and how, I know. you know, for somebody that doesn't isn't able to get out at the moment, can't see any family members, which is just heartbreaking. How much of a lift this would give, you know? I know. So that's the thing. And as well, like, you know, handwritten letters, it's, it means so much more to them than it would for us. Like, I've been told that not only do they read the letter, they inspect the handwriting, they inspect the stamps. Like, it's a oh. whole other game compared to what we would think. So, yeah, and not only that, but it's something for them to look forward to. And, yeah, they can't see the family, unfortunately, during this time. And I feel like it would really brighten up their day. And, again, seeing the photos of them smiling in that article, it just it bring, it brings a lot of joy but I suppose as well, we're both, like, we're all struggling yeah. mentally with our mental health right now. This is a very difficult time for everyone. So I think not only will it benefit the people receiving the letters in the nursing home, but also the people writing. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing that struck me about it is the art of letter writing has kind of, mm. you know, it over the years has kind of just become less and less, which is really sad in a way, because I know that I know. Like, there was a time when... God, it was it was really exciting to get a letter I know to have a pen pal in another country or wherever you met somebody on holidays and you kept in touch and oh sure look that was a massive deal wasn't it yeah and you put stickers on it and everything yeah. and we we got a um, I got a screenshot from someone who sent their letter today and he had put like a glitter shamrock on it and I was oh. like that's such a lovely touch like that's something that will light up their eyes you know when they see it addressed to them so it, it is it's, it's a really really nice it's a feel good thing and and that's exactly what I thought when I saw it at the start of the week so I really hope that if there is any as we say in the South East listening this morning that would like to get involved I think the impact and the difference that it would make to to some of these people would just be incredible at a time when as we said they need a lift we all do and and it's yeah. a two way thing like you say what you would yeah. get back from, from doing it as well and putting yourself out there and you know just making that really like small connection Exactly. And it is something that I do hope will continue, not just the lockdown thing or, you know, I do hope that it will continue. And I loved the fact that when you said there about the, the, you know, that they they look at the stamp and the writing and, you know, the whole like, because as we said, that's kind of gone a little bit. You know, know. if we get something in the post now, we probably don't want it and we or we hide it. If you're like me, I go, I'm not going to open that today. Uh, Whereas this is, this is actually filled with joy. Exactly. Yeah. No, I I think I'm, it's took off at such a rate now that I feel like it's, it's going to be amazing with the amount of people involved and hopefully, a huge amount of nursing homes involved. Like it's it, it's just over a week now, you That's know. Incredible. So it's only beginning. And how many people did you say have signed up? Uh, it's about nine thousand wow. now. Well, look, yeah. uh, Pen Pal Project Ireland is the name of the Instagram page. If you want to go and check it out, and I, I, I'm going to do it, and I just think it's going to make you feel good. So, um, and the difference it's going to make. Fair play to you, Stacey, for using so a little bit of your free time to actually do something really, really positive and 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 lovely. Oh, thanks so much. Listen, we will t- chat to you again soon, and uh, have a great Sunday. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Shauna. Thanks, Stacey. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. 
now I am joined on the line to talk all things food her name on Instagram is Passion Foodie but her real name is Caitlin Clawson she's from Wexford and she is probably going to make me pretty hungry but is she going to inspire me to cook is the question Uh, good morning Caitlin how are you? Hi Sean I'm good thank you and you? Yeah I'm good I'm good I believe this is your first radio interview it is indeed I'm a bit nervous to tell the truth don't be nervous don't be nervous because we're talking about your specialist subject which is food and the reason that you caught my attention uh, is because you have written a book and it's called Lunch and Dinner Inspiration for College Students and my initial thought was I ate a lot of pasta and noodles in college so I think I probably needed you a few years ago more than a few years ago but yeah I definitely needed you in my life and I needed this book talk to me about it and how I suppose your kind of blogging for food started yeah so the idea for the book was really simple my sister was going to college in UL and like we've all been there we've all opened the fridge and be like ah oh, there's nothing for lunch like you thought my sister says it all the time so that was the inspiration for the book and the name of it and it's just really easy really basic simple for anyone and you know like if you're living by yourself it's hard to um come up with ideas of just you know when you just need that bit of inspiration mm. and I um, suppose like when you know maybe this year is a, a little bit different because unfortunately a lot of people haven't got to go off and, and do that kind of real college thing as such but the idea that like you should be able to make basic things <laughs> at some point in your life you know that you have got to a stage where you can make a breakfast lunch and dinner fairly handy yeah exactly and without just having to go out and buy you know buy the bits for it as well and what and, you know it's, yeah even if you are living at home you know what I mean like you yeah. can still use it and all of the stuff what what I really like about it is like there's some recipes that we can always use at home you know we'd always make them at home so you know you feel at home even when you're you know away from home okay I'm all about that home cooking that comfort Give, yeah, yeah absolutely so talk to me a little bit about kind of some of the recipes that are in the book and what what could people expect Yes, so I think my favourite recipe in it is the chicken curry recipe, which can be substituted, obviously, with vegetables and chickpeas. Um, And to make your own curry sauce or your own curry powder is so, so simple. Um, Like the ones you buy in the shop is like usually full of salt. And, you know, you can change it. You can add as much spice or like if you prefer, I don't know, Chinese five spice or whatever, you can add that in and substitute it out. And it's so simple. Like it really is. So I think that's the one that I've got the most... um, comments on so far that people are like yeah I really want to try that out Okay and you don't have like a million ingredients and like these are things that you can get easily and throw together fairly handily Exactly and the best part about the book that people are saying as well is that there's actually um, a page called Your Kitchen Cupboard and Ah. if you have all of those ingredients you can make the majority of stuff so you know the basic stuff like a few spices oil garlic onions um, then just your veg and there's also a snacks page in the book. So, you know, like if you're just in between meals and you just want a little snack, um, just something that's not a chocolate bar, you know. <laughs> oh, guilty. And come here, is this something that you've always wanted to do? Was it, was the food thing, the, like, do you always see yourself having some kind of career in this? Yeah, well, I have always loved food from a very young age now. I used to wake up in the morning now. I remember I was only six or seven and I'd go downstairs and start making buns. And obviously I wasn't allowed to use the oven at that age. So Mm. I would get dad to wake him up at seven o'clock on a Saturday morning to put them into the oven. No. 
Yeah, and I work in I work in food production at the moment. I work in bean and goose chocolate. Okay. Um, so I'm a chocolatier here, and I did my six month placement, and I'm studying food in college as well. So yeah, my life is pretty much food. <laughs> but I love that idea that you, the minute you woke up in the morning, that was the first thing you thought of. Because I have to say, I'm one of those people that I do plan out in my head, and I wake up and I go, "What will I have for my breakfast?" And then after breakfast, I'll be like, "How much time till lunch? What am I going to do?" You know, I, like yeah, it's it excites my day, particularly over the last. Few months and I think that's why people are probably drawn to your page now more than ever because you posted um, your brownies the other day. I've never made brownies. I want those. They look so good. They're they're really really tasty and again really easy to make and I think if you're going to eat food you may as well eat something you know that's really tasty rather than just eating for the sake of it. I think that would be my opinion. And when it comes to obviously the book is kind of practical recipes for students, but you uh, your page you share a lot of kind of cookies, cupcakes, that kind of thing. What's your preference, or do you have one? Because it's it's quite unusual to be a baker and a cook at the same time. Just everything. I like. I go from phases of just wanting to make. You know, like at the minute, obviously, I'm loving the Halloween. Yeah. all the little Halloween bits um, from there to like wanting just healthy lunches that are just going to be tasty and filling so yeah I just jump between everything and I think that's what people like the way that it's just like a mix of everything and it's you know it's, I like I just started the page by because I had a load of pictures on my phone and I just wanted to put them somewhere I didn't mean it to become anything no. and next minute it's over a thousand followers and I don't know people seem to enjoy it and I enjoy doing it too so it's just my hobby well, listen, fair play to you. Keep doing what you're doing. There's there's nothing for lunch is the title. So apt for so many. Uh, lunch and dinner, inspiration for college students, but it's not just for college students. You can check out Passion Foodie on Instagram and uh, all your tips and inspiration there. Uh, lovely to chat to you this morning, Caitlin. Thank you very much. Yeah, and the link um, for the book is in my bio on Instagram if anyone wants to check it out. Of course they will. Listen, you have a great day. And what are you making today, by the way? Um, well, I am currently sitting in the car outside work. So I'm going to go back in and make a few more hundred chocolate bars. <laughs> OK, very good. <laughs> nice. All in a day's work. How bad? I know. And home to make dinner. <laughs> Lovely. Well, listen, we'll catch up with you again soon. Take care. Thanks very Thanks, much. Thanks, Caitlin. Again, no worries. Have care. a great day. Bye. The Sunday Grill on Beat. 102-103 Shona with you Now like lots of people over the last year there have been hobbies taken up um, passions reignited shall we say and Jane Kent joins me on the line this morning she's a teacher from Wexford but she's also an undercover artist well you're not really an undercover artist as such but it's something that you've kind of gone back to this year isn't it? Yeah that's it absolutely Shona I've found that it was great during lockdown as an outlet and after years of nudges by friends to go at it myself and mm. set up a shop, um, I finally took the leap of faith during lockdown and thankfully it's going great. And I found social media has been a huge help with it all. And um, I think everyone is trying to support Irish this year as well. So that's definitely helped greatly with it all. I remember at one point during our initial lockdown and I had followed you on Instagram and you posted um, one of your designs of the National Opera House and I just thought, wow, this girl is so talented and also it was at a time, I think, when I couldn't get into town, you know, when it was outside. And it it just felt really nice. And also, I suppose, like anything that kind of... I don't know, evoke something in you when you see it. And I think that's really what your art does because it's the, they're, the pieces are all very different, aren't they? 
Yeah, and I think you've got definitely something right there about what the whole aim of the page was initially, was things that we couldn't do anymore. Even simple things like, you know, that I would host paint nights and even simple things like senior pals there. And I know I'm in Panto or involved in Panto for the last few years. So I was missing the Dunwera and the Light Opera in the Opera House. So I found that for people, it kind of gave them something to chat about and tag friends in and say, oh, remember this show, whatever show and things like that. And um, it definitely, that was kind of the aim of it, to spread a little bit of joy and a bit of kindness during lockdown, especially for artists and musicians as well. I would have drawn a lot of local artists and musicians in Ireland that wouldn't have had as many gigs because of lockdown and they kind of felt it gave them a little glimmer of hope and realising that oh I'm not forgotten about and and I kind of would message them and say look I love your stuff and then I'd send them a little print of the the drawing I did or whatever and they just found that it definitely just gave them a little boost even if it was just for that hour or that day (laughs) It's really nice at a time as you say particularly when you focus on the likes of the arts which is really you know taking such a a hit really and and, you Mm -hmm. know being felt by so many that you know you can remind people that they are still in in your head and they're still important and their work is still valued I suppose that's this. I know even the art centre in Wexford, I just decided to draw their door one day. I went for one of my walks in the 5K and um, they they messaged me and they were like, can we use this for our newsletter and all Aww. of this and double checking? And I, and I was like, absolutely, don't don't worry about it. And I'm, I'm very fortunate that I have a day job um, as well as this additional little um, shop but I was I was happy for people to use away on things, you know, and not be worrying about charging them for use of it and all that. So that was nice to be mm-hmm. able to do that too. Well, I just, I have to mention the image that really stuck out in my mind and it was, when I saw it, I just thought of my mum and dad at the time because it, it's an image of two people hugging and you just have the word soon written over their faces. Oh, yeah. And that broke my heart. Um, yeah. And, and that oh. captured, I suppose, the mood of, of the nation in terms of like the people that we, we can't wait to hug again, you know, that that's... That's, that's that, it. Yeah. And um, and I even identify as a person who wouldn't be a hugger, really. And for me, I even I've found it hard now not to be able to embrace family and you know nieces and nephews. Um, but that was actually for creatives against COVID, and that was something that I never would have expected to come out of lockdown. So um, it was a group in Dublin decided to set it up, and they just got artists in uh, different types of media to get involved and I ended up just doing that on my iPad and sending it on but eventually it got ex- exhibited up in the in the Guinness storehouse which I didn't I totally didn't anticipate and that was such a big deal for me I, I was delighted and when lockdown lifted we managed to get away for one day up to Dublin oh, to and see, to see it. it. Yeah, and it was so nice. We were, you know, it was just a lovely little boost after such a long time of not being able to kind of do nice things and then to see your own artwork up in in the storehouse. Like, 
So um, that, that's that special. Was, that was great. Yeah, yeah, that was. Well, listen, keep doing what you're doing because I can tell that it brings you joy and obviously for the people that get to see your pictures and it's just a lovely thing that you're doing. So keep flying that flag. Janie Max Design on Instagram is where you need to go to check out all things wonderful by Jane. Uh, Thanks a million for chatting to me this morning on the Sunday Grill. Thanks so much. Have a good day. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Now it is time to talk about one of my favourite things because I have one. Her name is Lola. Just going to get that in there. We're talking dogs this morning with uh, dog trainer to the stars, Samantha Rawson. And she is going to help us out with all our queries to make sure our pooches are perfect. Um, How are you this morning, Samantha? I'm great, Shona. I'm great. Good. Sunday day. Yeah, really nice, really nice. All good. So um, I suppose the the, the thing about the last few months, and I've kind of even bumped into people, I have to say, that have gotten dogs um, since the initial kind of lockdown. So a lot of people are still in that, you know, honeymoon period when it comes to being first time dog owners. And we actually on Be Breakfast this week had a dilemma from a guy who wrote in to say that he had gotten a dog with his girlfriend and their ways of treating the dog, let's say, were slightly different. Like, I think he's he's more kind of rules and boundaries, whereas she was pampering the pooch as such with a hot mm. water bottle and laying the dog up on the bed and that kind of thing. So that kind of opened up a little bit of a conversation, <laughs> shall we say, because I think you are one way or the other, aren't you? Yeah, um, I suppose my uh, thing I would say to that is that obviously puppies are, are baby dogs and they do need to be minded. Um, and they do require an awful lot of care and attention. And for women, that comes naturally. So so when you get a puppy, it's like all your yeah. nurturing comes out and, and you pour it all into this little puppy. However, if you give the puppy the idea that they are number one in the household, it's very hard six months later or a year later to suddenly change the rules. So my kind of approach is it's much kinder in the long run. If this dog is going to be with you for 15 years, it's much kinder to put some boundaries in very early on. And then when you have a well-behaved dog and you have your adorable angel that you absolutely adore, then you can treat it however the hell you like. Because I have a 10-year-old dog. She is a super dog. She used to be a working dog. She was a champion. She is now thoroughly spoiled rotten, but she is a very well-behaved dog and she's earned that right. You see, I think, puppy hasn't. Yeah, I think when you go, what you said initially there and your instinct, right? And I, I was thinking back to when we got Lola and my instinct was, yeah, to baby her. Cause she's this little furry thing that needs yeah. to be minded and she looked so timid and, oh, I'll take care of her. And so I can understand where that, you know, that that comes from. And that that, that is, it's hard not to share them with that when you've just gotten them and you've fallen madly in love. Yeah, you, you, you're supposed to do that. I mean, it, it's been scientifically proven that, that puppies, some particular breeds of dogs, especially Cavalier King Charles and the small little lap dogs, that they're specifically bred to almost imitate the look of a baby. So it's no. only natural, yeah, that all those maternal responses would come out. So absolutely, you know, you're, you're supposed to look after your puppy and mind it. But once the puppy has settled in and it's, you know, three months of age, then it's time to kind of go, listen, this is going to be a lifetime relationship. Here's the rules. Do you know what I mean? I mean, 
It's a bit like in, in any relationship, whether it be a romantic relationship or otherwise, you wouldn't allow somebody to walk all over you. you know? <laughs> when you put it like that. But uh, it's so weird that you say that about the King Charles because Lola is half King Charles. And I oh, swear sometimes right. she looks at me with those eyes yeah, and I'm yeah. like, don't do this to me. Yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're, they're bred to look like that. And also dogs are very, very clever. So I think they learn to manipulate those looks. So they learn how to give you the sad eyes. They learn how to cock their heads to the side. You know, and, and they, they know what buttons to press with us. But how, so. do you, how do you... Oh, stop. This is my life. But how do you then, right, give them that initial love that you, you, as you, as we said, is instinct to do, but also, you know, try and set boundaries, rules from the start. Like, how do you do both in those initial days when you're, yeah, when okay. you're in love? Well, I suppose the first thing is that the, the dog needs a designated uh, area. So whether that's a utility room or an area behind a little puppy pen or an old playpen that a child might have, that it has to be restricted to a area. You can't give a young puppy, especially a puppy that's not house trained, free access around the house. So even by doing that, you're setting limits. So you're saying, this is your area, you're not allowed to run around the house. That's a limit. Then, you know, then I kind of, in a way... I treat dogs a little bit like children, even though I don't have any, in that what I want to do is give them a routine and give them structure. So they'll get fed at certain times. They might be walked at certain times or played with. And then they will have a bedtime when my day ends and you will not get any more attention. So the dog has to have its own routine and its own life away from your life so that it doesn't become a demanding nuisance 24 hours a day. And when it comes to the house and I get the whole having a certain area which they know is theirs and that's clearly defined, what yeah. about the couch and the bed? Um, the couch and the bed, I mean, you see, I think that's dangerous territory because if you allow a dog on the couch and, and the dog thinks it's its couch, then when you, you know, at six months of age, go to try and take the dog off the couch, they might well resist and give you a little growl or a snap. Yeah. Um, because that's because they don't think the couch belongs to you. So what I kind of say to people is that if we're going to give our dogs privileges, they have to know it's a privilege. And my rule is if you can't get your dog off the couch on one command and one command only without moving a muscle yourself, the dog does not understand who owns the couch. Okay. So there's a bit of confusion there. So until the dog understands who owns what, it shouldn't have access to it. You know, so so with mm-hmm. my dogs, I can be in bed, the dog can be on the bed beside me, and I can say, see you later, and she'll just get off the bed. I don't have to move a muscle. But how do you get to that point then? That's just in, the, in those well, early days. Well, that's years of training. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's years of training. That dog is now 10. <laughs> so, so she knows me and she knows my, my commands. But, but that's my rule of thumb that you have to be able to. So even if you were sitting on the couch yourself beside yeah. your dog, you should be able to say off without actually getting off the couch yourself. Okay. That's I, just by a verbal command or, or a visual signal that the dog should say, oh, grand, your couch, off I go. I have to feel like you'd give out to me if you came into my house, <laughs> to be honest with you. But I think the point is, right, and I think sometimes people forget this, that when they see a dog that is re- really well trained and comes when you call it and you yeah. know, doesn't jump up when the doorbell rings and all those things, that took work. That didn't it, just it, happen. Yeah, absolutely. That takes work. And again, like any relationship, it takes time and commitment and compromise because you're not always going to get what you want and dogs are dogs and you're not going to change their, you know, innate personalities. Um, But the one thing I would say about being allowed on the couch and allowed on the bed Mm. 
is that's fine if you don't have children and it's an adult-only household. If you have children, that is a very, very dangerous thing to do. Okay. Because a child is not going to be able to get a dog off the couch if it resists or if it starts growling mm. or snapping or, or kind of, you know, some dogs will pretend to be aggressive and snap the air. Yeah. But that's all strategy for later on. Yeah, so yeah. I would, I would kind of quite seriously say if you have children, you cannot afford to give your dog privileges that it hasn't earned and that there might be confusion in the dog's head about who owns the furniture or the bed. Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I mean, I think the other point about, you know, anybody that might have gotten a dog in the last kind of eight or nine months is the fact that now for a lot of people, their situation has changed and they're in the home more than they were. So that dog now has almost a different life than they had or they would have had, you know. Yeah. But that going back to your designated area, that's really important because if you allow a young dog growing up, so say these, these dogs are now probably eight months old or six months old and they've grown up with kind of people constantly at home. If you allow that dog to follow you around the house, you're almost creating a needy dependent. Do you know what I mean? So, so when you close the door or when you want to go out or when you go to the shops, the dog is going to have a little freak out because you have allowed it to follow you everywhere. So it thinks it needs to see you all the time. Yeah. So it's really important during the day to have the dog's area that you're able to walk around your own house and walk in and out of rooms or go to the loo and come back again and you don't have a dog going ballistic because if it won't let you out of its sight at home, can you imagine what it's going to do or how it's going to react when you go back to work or you have to go somewhere for a few hours? Yeah. So by, by indulging it as a baby, as a puppy, you're not creating a good solid foundation of security in that dog you're creating a needy little monster for let's face it Shona for our own ego it's purely for our own ego because you know we have this thing that adores us and loves us unconditionally but I'm a dog lover so I'm mm. always talk loving I talk about loving the dog and the dog's needs and the dog's security and what the dog wants so you know if somebody says to me um, oh Samantha I hear you mind dogs oh my dog sleeps in the bedroom will you mind it no yeah there's absolutely no way I'm going to mind that dog if sleeps in the bedroom because I know my life is going to be hell for that week or two weeks. It's not worth it. You know it. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not worth it. So you're not, you're not doing the dog a service by spoiling it and then suddenly changing its life for two weeks when you go on holidays. And given that some people might have, you know, I suppose showered the dogs over the last few months, it is possible to pull it back. Like, it's not too late to train. It is, to train. it is, but... Have to do it by degrees. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If, if if we put our hands up and say, right, okay, we've caused this situation, you know, for our own indulgence, really, and now we have to pull it back a bit. You have to do it by degrees. You can't suddenly change things. You can't. So, okay, right, this is what we need to do, and suddenly change everything because you blow the dog's mind. That's not fair. So you have to do everything by degrees. So what I say to people is, if you're trying to to change a structure at home. If you try and do it during the day, so say if you're going to try and leave the dog in the kitchen or the utility room or wherever, you would do it slowly throughout the day. You wouldn't suddenly put the dog in at night time and leave it there, which is what a lot of people do. <laughs> I know. Um, so you would do it gradually and build it up. So, so maybe leave the dog in the kitchen for an hour and then maybe an hour and a half, then two hours and build it up slowly but surely. And my kind of yardstick is if a dog can tolerate being in an area or being on its own for four hours, then it'll be okay, you know, for eight hours at night time. But I would suddenly, you know, I would do it very gradually and very slowly and not expect miracles overnight. Because, you know, if you think about it, if you've created a problem over six months, 
you really need to say, right, well, I need to give it six months to come out of this. You can't go, oh, I need this sorted in six weeks. No, but uh, but, I, but what I did hear is all is not lost, Samantha. There is no, still all is not lost. No, all is not lost. All, all dogs can be trained, Shona. The question is, can owners be trained? Well, it's true. And also, as I said earlier, it takes work and it takes commitment and it takes time. You know, you, ca- you can't just expect it to happen. So I think... Yeah, and the big thing it takes, and this is where, you know, dog trainers have this skill, is the big thing it takes is patience. Yeah. And most people don't have patience because they have busy lives that they, you know, yeah. you, we, we live in a kind of a, you know, instant society now. It's true. So nobody has patience. So, except for you. Yeah, except for me. <laughs> when it comes to dogs, I have all the time in the world. Listen, I could talk to you all day. Samantha Rawson.ie is your website. You can check you out on Facebook. I'm sure you'll be inundated with questions. Uh, it was lovely to chat to you on the Sunday Grail. And thanks for uh, giving us lots of advice. Uh, you, this is quite ironic, but the track that I'm about to play is Medusa Lose Control. Oh. <laughs> Samantha, it was a pleasure. Have a great Thanks, Sunday. Kayla. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is Shona with you. Hope you're well this morning. Now, I'm joined on the line to talk about uh, a hair technique which is still popular years and years after it first kind of appeared on the uh, celebs and joining me to talk all about it is Wana Chofu. She is a Southeast based hairdresser. Many thousands of people follow you on Instagram, Wana, to get advice and tips. So, how are you this morning, yeah. firstly? Good morning, everybody. I'm Wana. Uh, I am good. I'm just counting the days until I'm back to work. I know. <laughs> Hopefully, it's going to be in December. But at least Thank we can God. have we can have the chats in the meantime. You sound very po- yes, you, of course. You sound very positive for a Sunday morning, yes. so that's a good start. We have to, we have to, we have no choice. So <laughs> we have to stay positive. <laughs> well, look, this is your this is your thing. This is what you do. I don't know how I stumbled upon you on Instagram many months ago, and just obsessed with your page because I want to watch your Thank videos you. over and over again. I regularly find myself like just 10, 15 minutes in, and another one, and another one because the. Tra- Transformations, Juana. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes, I am specialized in air touch and balayage. So that's what we promote. And that's what you see on my page. And yeah, I love doing those big transformations. I love doing color corrections. I love to just give a soft blend and colors that will survive in time. That's all about what I'm doing on my page. So, so it's, it's all about, you know, maintenance and not having to be at the hairdresser uh, yeah, every couple of months. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's the beauty of the air touch and that's the beauty of um, balayage. So tell me what exactly is air touch and balayage and what are the differences and how they they work? So let's start with air touch. Air touch, uh, it's starting to be bigger and bigger in Europe and I love it. It's a technique that uses um, air to create a seamless blended color. So basically what I'm doing, instead of weaving or teasing the, um, the section, I am just uh, using the air from the air dryer and I'm pushing all those um, baby hairs and internal layers down and I'm just painting all in the long strand. I know it sounds complicated, that's why you yeah. have to go on my page yeah. <laughs> on Instagram to check it. Yeah. But what's so incredible, it's about uh, the blend. It's such a seamless blend. Looks like you bore with that color, basically. So there's no demarcation line where, when the hair is growing out. So that's the beauty of the air touch. 
compare with the traditional highlights, which you can go can only go so long between the appointments because you see the demarcation is much more obvious on the classic highlights. So that's kind of the difference. So you get a better value. <laughs> but when you say demarcation now for me now, do you mean the route? Is that what you yes, mean? Yes, the yeah. route, yeah. Okay. So you don't want to get your classic highlights in a month or two months. You might see it like a severe line of demarcation, which with the air touch is very seamless. It's a blended, which is going to give you extra time, extra months. So it's less maintained. Ah, okay. And, and the balayage, again, it's another technique. Uh, that involves hand uh, painting. So basically, we're su- uh, it's uh, like sweeping motion with a brush. So the result is a stone case, um, natural looking hair. Like it's similar with um, what nature gave us as kids. <laughs> you know, when you see those little girls with the uh, brighter, you know, pieces around the face, that's kind of what we try to create with balayage. It's so funny that you say that because my little girl who is five, nearly six, had... She has a balayage, She right? has balayage. Like, you look at her hair at the back and think she's been to the hairdresser because the blonde is just so perfectly blended yes, in with so the... Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I know, I know. I'm so jealous when I see those little girls. She's like, oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> People are paying lots of money to get this done and you have it for free. Yeah. That's just- but what it's is there? So that's the difference between the air touch and the balayage. Yes, uh, yes. But what is the kind of for me? Like I started getting balayage years ago. Why is it still so popular? Do you think because of the maintenance? I suppose. Yes, because of the maintenance. Yes, people they are trying to be less. They don't have time to be in the salon every eight weeks. So uh, people are trying again to enhance the natural. They are starting to accept the natural because you're gonna see you know the, your natural color in top. So. It's it's just more creating a movement on the land. I, it's a natural look than a block of color, let's say, getting a brown all over. Okay. So it just mimic the stone kissed look. And people are literally fascinated with your page. But you are also you, you also do master classes which are online obviously this year. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So uh, yes, it's about education. Like that's what I'm doing because I'm a hairdresser since like ten years ago. So I never stopped educating and learning new techniques and improving so probably that's why where I am today and and teaching so I guess that really helped Well look as I said I've lost time just looking at your page so if anybody else (laughs) wants to check it out and find out about the amazing transformations that you do Hair by Wana on Instagram and it was lovely to chat to you this morning and uh, you keep doing what you're doing great work Thank you so much for having me and stay safe guys and check out my page Hair by Wana We will indeed Thanks a million Wana you're a breath of fresh air on a Sunday morning (laughs) let me tell you Thank you guys Bye Stay safe Bye bye the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. And Vinny's in the house to give us some TV tips. Um, I just banged my head against the microphone. I don't think anybody heard. I no. thought, don't, don't draw any attention to it. It's fine. Dazed. Was that your head? No, it was my, more my nose. <laughs> I'll, I'll survive. Okay, good. I'm glad you're okay. okay. Um, come here, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. You love coming in on a Sunday, don't you? I do, especially now that I'm starting a week off after this. <gasps> I totally forgot it was your week off. That that seems like it's a really mean thing to do to somebody. Your grand girl. Yeah, you can go home to bed now and stay there for the week. And that's what I plan to do. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, catch up on well, like TV. What? Little else you can do really. TV is where it's at. Yeah, and walks. Yes, walks. But I, I feel like I know my five k. 
like the back of my hand at this stage. <laughs> but initially, it was kind of nice to discover something that you hadn't found. Oh, oh totally. Yeah. And we did yeah. back in March and April. But now I'm like, I'm over it. I know everywhere within my region and I don't need to know yeah. anymore. And we still have all of November to go. OK, let, let's let's bring the cheer back. Let's okay. bring let's bring Holiday Vinny back and oh, see yeah. how he gets on with TV tips. Because, yeah. you know, you're on a week off. Yes, and I'm, I'm ticking off the things on my list. Okay. Uh, starting tonight with what looks like a very interesting series. It's called Dead Still. Now, this is an Irish written and stars Irish actors, mm. uh, but it was like of a co-production between Irish, Ireland and Canada. It's, it's set in Victorian Dublin and it's about a photographer called uh, Brock Blenner Hassett. He's played by Michael Smiley, who like a lot of Irish actors, you'd kind of know his face and you'd see him pop up in things. I have again. to look him up now that you've said it because I meant to do it and I didn't cha- uh, like uh, that. I'm sure we've seen him in things. Yeah, yeah. I, he's been he's he had a regular uh, role in Luther. Oh. Idris Elba and he's been in films I think he's I think he's been in one of the Star Wars oh, films and yes. stuff like he's he, a familiar face mm. yeah now that I see him yeah there he is yes, yes. that's the guy that guy uh, he plays a photographer whose speciality is memorial photography that is taking portraits of dead people I suppose okay. it might have been a thing in Victorian Dublin I apparently suppose, it was yeah, it yeah. Was, I mean you didn't have photos of people yeah. in, like the only photo like if you wanted a photo of them then your last chance was before they went into the ground I guess <laughs> If this was a real thing, yeah, yeah, it yeah. sounds like a thriving business in yes, Victorian Ireland. Yes, it does. Uh, but now he, there's a new photographer on the block. Oh. Um, but the difference is he's got a rival. They are actually killing people before taking their picture. Oh. So there's a murder most foul. This is awful scandalous mm. altogether. So uh, in this first episode that we'll see tonight, well, there, he's got a run of bad luck. He, <laughs> he's fractured his foot. And then in his latest portrait, it's a deceased young lady. But this has gone missing. So oh she, he's forced to hire an enthusiastic grave digger to locate the photo while also finding time for his young niece who is keen to escape their poisonous family and assert her independence, it says here. There is so much going on here. And yeah, essentially the, the, the vibe of it though is he takes photos of bad yeah. uh, dead people, uh, legit. But now there, there is a murderer who is trying to get one up in the business by actually killing the people to take photos, um, which sounds like a, a fantastic plot for a series. Yeah, I was going to say, and it sounds totally different, not something totally. that we've seen before, particularly yeah. RTE drama. It sounds mm. like it's a little bit out there. And suitably spooky for Halloween yeah, time yeah, of year yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that's tonight. Now, something rather more familiar to us all uh, is Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I must mention, just before we finish oh, up on Dead Still, which starts tonight, yeah, that there is a, a South East link because oh, yes. Kilkenny's, sorry. yeah. Yeah, the Kilkenny man and John Morton uh, was the writer along with Imogen Murphy. And yeah, so I mean, this is fantastic to have. It's brilliant. And we had, we actually had John on the Sunday Grill a couple of months back Mm. because he was nominated for a theatre award over in the UK. So it's great to see somebody flying the flag, doing so well. So fair play. We have to watch purely for that link alone. Yes, sorry, I should have got more excited about your next pick for today. Talk to me. Yeah, Dawson's Creek then. Yes, it's it's back. Well, it's not a new series or anything, but it's going to be uh, on Netflix from now, essentially. You can watch wa- all 128 episodes. If you were around in the 90s, you know. If you're maybe a little too young to remember Dawson's Creek, you could do worse than dip in and see what you think of a series that was all conquering in the 90s. It was just that real kind of moody teen drama, yeah. the love life, the 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 triangles, what was going on in mm. their heads. It was very kind of, it was quite deep. It was. It starred, of course, James Van Der Beek, Katie Holmes, Michelle Williams and Joshua Jackson, who are all still well famous. Katie Holmes went on to marry Tom Cruise. Yeah, uh, remember that. Michelle Williams has been nominated for Oscars. Four times. Four times. Yeah. Uh, 
Joshua Jackson I saw him in something uh, recently and he was playing the dad character which reminded me of how old I am now. but he's been in a lot like he's he's had an okay career oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. and James Van Der Beek who I guess if you're n- I mean he's a gif now yeah, and he's kind of quite famous for being the, a gif the crying gif yeah uh, he, <laughs> that blubbery face <laughs> The the um, the idea of it was he was like mad into films and wanted to be a director yeah, and a filmmaker right, yeah. and then he he was best friends with Katie Holmes and then that that kind of got weird because they were like at that age of now oh can we be hanging out together and he fancied her and she wasn't yeah. sure and she had the thing with Pacey exactly. and it was all very complicated and you know what we were talking about in the office there recently as well about Dawson's Creek is there there is a storyline in it and I don't know how I forget to be honest now how soon it pops up it's Joshua Jackson as Pacey and his affair with the teacher. Do you remember the hot teacher? Totally forgotten about that. I know. That was so scandalous Totes at the time. Totes Yeah. Um, and you could, like, if it was written today, there'd be huge question marks. But we just accepted it as, oh my God, Joshua, ja- like this and guy. And they were only in, like, they weren't finished school. Like, well, they were like leaving search yeah, years, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he, like, totally got off with the teacher. And it yeah. was, and, oh, I won't, I won't spoil it yeah. by saying what happens in the end, but... More, more would be made of it today. I, oh, absolutely! I, I and yeah. 128 episodes, and yeah. I, I did read right because I, it, as soon as he said Dawson's Creek, all I could think of was I don't want to wait. Oh, the theme, the theme for our lives to be over. Paula Cole. I want to know by now. Yeah. Apparently, it's not in it. Yes. Did you read this? It's yeah. Been taken the, out. It, as with anything, when a TV show is released on DVD or it's the rights change down yeah. the line the, the, necessarily the song that was the original sometimes the writer or the publishers say no you can't have that anymore she said no and uh, it's been taken so there's the alternative theme tune is it yeah I think they've come up with which, a new one I don't know what it is there was a, no there is an alternative theme tune that they use uh, for for reruns in later years and for I think for DVD releases as well which I, nobody remembers see I haven't watched it since back in the day if, but I could provide the original and then you know I could just do like a, a, I, a cover yeah you could record one <laughs> we can download it or you Not. can just have Spotify ready to go that Paula Cole song <laughs> but, yeah, but it's so synonymous with the show totally. like it's what you think of yeah. and you, you, you like because I always remember that a little bit of the music played over the int- the, the first kind of yeah. few seconds of the scene and stuff yeah. like that so it'd be weird to watch it without that and it's weird for me to think that like well she, she'd be getting paid for every time somebody watches that yeah why not give us the song yeah, Paula sure, it's so mean sure well maybe it's not there. her decision yeah I'm, uh, probably not yeah. maybe anyway Dawson's Creek all episodes available today so if you have like Vinny not much to do with <sighs> your week 128 episodes enjoy mm. And finally, this is a series, more nostalgia really, because we're looking back on the noughties. This is three weeks in now, this series, which kind of came out of nowhere. I guess it, I, look, TV needs to be made. And this is, it looks like something that's very easily done. It's three people in a studio, socially distanced, sitting across from each other. And they're looking back on the noughties by just playing old clips. It's Angela Scanlon presenting it with different guests every week. I saw the first one. It had Ellie Taylor and some other guy whose name I can't remember. But it was okay. very good, very watchable, very easy kind of sit there wholesome. and just wholesome yeah complete but as uh, like what we were saying about the the, the storyline in Dawson's Creek with Joshua Jackson and the teacher it's amazing the stuff that we look back on that is nearly 20 years old like in the first episode they had uh, an interview Michael Parkinson interviewing uh, uh, Spice, Victoria Beckham oh yeah and the questions he asked her you could not ask a woman now really he, coming straight out and asking her do you have anorexia this was in the year 2000 and everybody, the three of them in the studio, Angela Scanlon and, and the two guests just completely kind of sat back and go, oh my God, he actually just come out. Ble- couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Um, it's kind of, do you remember that there was a series called it's all, It Was All Right in the 70s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
kind of got that vibe about it. But not everything is like that in the noughties. They're just looking at the things that made the big stories like uh, in 2002, Justin Timberlake's clothing to the Spooks television series. I was saying I don't you, remember Spooks no, at all. No, either do I, to be honest. And I don't think that Justin Timberlake's clothing was necessarily the biggest thing of 2002. But just as I was saying to you before we came on, I don't really remember a thing about 2002. It's kind of just been lost. I wonder, was 2002 the year where Justin and Britney did the double denim? Do you remember that? You don't remember that picture? I do. I don't. Very clearly in my head I have that. But like you, that's that's only because you said 2002. It could yeah. be. It could have been before or after. I don't know. I but feel I, like because 2001 was 9-11, which they yeah. obviously dealt with last week. And 2003, well, I remember 2003 because I moved out of home and beat launched. So that was for me okay. a big thing in 2000. But 2002 was kind of lost in there in the middle. Okay, well, you need to watch this then. I do. I wonder what they mentioned. There was a World Cup that I barely even remember. That to be summer, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But come here, there's something lovely about this type of show because it just is a little bit of nostalgia. It's mm. a little bit of switch off. It's escapism. It's it, You don't have to use your brain. No, totally. No, this is absolutely... And, and it's one of those shows that you kind of watch a clip and you go, oh yeah, I do remember that. Oh yeah, 2000. I remember one another conversation they had was the first year of Big Brother. And they ah. were saying how completely different it was. Because there was so, no kind of... There was no there was no benchmark. It was just... There was no... Apart from the nasty Nick, there was no scandal. There was nobody wanting to make big salacious headlines. Whereas now it's just fire Fame. 12 as different people as you can into a house and see how... Which yeah. they fight, you know. Even when they did that with the best shows ever during the summer, I remember they replayed like, I don't know, 10 episodes over two weeks. And it's just shocking to see the changes that came from the, the type of people that went in. Because mm. initially they were just, they were normal. no, they were normal and they didn't yeah. want to be anything else. Yeah. Do you know, they didn't, they didn't have like these big um, dreams to be famous for the sake of being famous. Mm. Anyway, thank you very much, my dear. Dead Still starts tonight on RTE One with that Kilkenny link from uh, John Morton. Great to see um, Southeast link there. Dawson's Creek is on Netflix from today, all 128 episodes. And Wednesday night on BBC Two, if you want a bit of nostalgia, the noughties. Uh, Angela Scanlon, Kimberly Walsh, and Dane Baptiste are in charge of that. You can go to bed for the week. Thank enjoy. You. Well, don't stay in it for the week, but, you know, like, enjoy it. Imagine. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be a bit weird. You'd be like the family in um, Willy Wonka in the show. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, have a great week off. Bye. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.